I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the indestructible, incorruptible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I will not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you're so good. You're the ultimate parent. You're the ultimate father. God, the book of Genesis calls you the many-breasted one. Whatever we need, you're willing to supply. Your heart of compassion and mercy and kindness goes from generation to generation. You are that father. You are that ultimate parent, God. And so we just take lessons from you today. And I pray, God, that you will cause me to communicate the best way So everyone, parents and non-parents, will be benefited from today's message. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing and ending our series on parenting. And, you know, if you're not a parent, don't worry. There's something in here for you. Somewhere, somehow, just already preparing your mind that the Word of God can never go forth without you learning something, gleaning something, Regardless of the topic, the word is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it divides between spirit, it divides between flesh, and so there is a benefit for you, no matter if you're a parent or not, or if you're a child, or, well, you're somebody's child, so how about that? Okay, so I want to talk about parenting on purpose, parenting on purpose. You know, I like to plan only one thing, fellowship. If it's going to require traveling and people and food, then I am like your ultimate party planner. Other than that, I don't want to plan. I don't like to plan. So I'm never, I don't miss my flights. I'm never, you know, late for my flights. I'll be right there. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And I can plan these things out because I have an idea in my head of where I'm going, what I want to, you know, be doing. I research the beaches. I already know where the restaurants are. I know where the hospital is. I know where the police is. I know everything about that city that I'm going to because I am planning my trip. How many of you have like a, 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 a daytime or a calendar or a phone or something or to-do list? How many of you function like with a to-do list or something? Yeah, very good. I don't really, but that's great for all of you. So, um, yeah. So, so you guys have a to-do list and you know what's going to kind of happen the rest of today. Like I know Landon has a birthday party because somebody reminded me today that he has a birthday party and then we have a dinner tonight. So we have these plans. We plan everything but our parenting. We have an idea of who we want to be. We have an idea of who we want our children to be, but we don't have an idea of how we want them to get there. So we don't plan parenting on purpose. We don't purposefully, intentionally plan how we will parent. And so I want to kind of talk about that uh, today because it's not, it's kind of like a, 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 a fly by night thing sometimes. You know, just as the situation comes up, we decide what we're going to do. But one of the things my husband taught me, um, you know, he teaches me a lot of things. I don't always <laughs> take the lesson. This is one lesson that uh, you should definitely take. Is already have a pre-planned response for a situation you can imagine. You know, already have a pre-planned response. And we're not talking like grief or things like that. We're talking about, you know, for example, he'll be, you know, he's a fast food king, right? 
he's in somebody's line every day, whether it's Sonic, Whataburger, Zaxby's, name them heaven. It just keeps going on. And he knows everybody in the line. So if somebody comes to him and says, oh, you're so cute. He has already a pre, he's like, bam, he does all these frightening things. You know, he has a pre-game. He's, he's, he knows what he's going to say before it even happens. So the poor people are probably frightened, you know, but that, that's kind of thing. It's having a planned response, a planned idea. When we were planting Word of Truth Family Church, he and I were talking yesterday, we had a Mr. and Mrs. Word of Truth in mind. You are Mr. and Mrs. Word of Truth. And so parenting, what kind of idea do we want to have our children? What kind of godly seed are we raising? And so for me, you know, and for us, we want generous children. We want children who, who are compassionate and concerned about other people. We want children who have a living relationship with God, but not a relationship based on ours, not a relationship because we dictate it to them, but a relationship where they hear God for themselves and experience God for themselves. That's kind of the big thing for us. You know, a real relationship with God and generous, compassionate kids. If we can just go, and so everything we do goes towards that picture. Can you hear God? If you can hear God, no psychic can convince you of anything else. If you can experience God, no world can come and tell you do this. The world can come tell you to do that. But then you are stuck with your experience. Some of you were here several months ago and heaven came and she testified and said she had witnessed her first physical miracle. Now, Landon was a miracle, but she didn't see the egg and the sperm connect. She didn't see that part. But when we had, I was at a ministry um, last year, August, and we were praying for the sick. And legs began to grow physically in front of her. And she saw the legs even out. And she went straight to school and told her friends, I saw it. And they said, you're lying. She said, I saw it. So it doesn't matter if somebody comes and tries to confuse her. It doesn't matter. The thing is, she's going, but what do I do with what I saw? That can never be taken away. So you and I have to plan on purpose and with purpose for parenting. This is, I'm going to just kind of uh, give you the things I think that has worked for us so far. We're not perfect parents. Um, I was in a very unstable parental environment, as Pastor has testified. And he was in a very, leave it to cleave, a very stable environment. You know, very routine, very solid, very structured, very sure, very reliable. So God brings this strong, reliable person to this chaos and helps him become controlled chaos. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So... I don't know if there's a formula, but I just kind of want to share my best on some of the things that have worked with us so far. Amen. Uh, number one, turn with me to Judges 13. Judges 13. Judges 13. The first thing you want to do is request God's involvement. Request God's involvement. Again, whether you're a parent or not. Request God's involvement, not just on an emergency, not just when, you know, all the chips have fallen and your back is against the wall. No, on the front end, request God's involvement. Turn with me to Judges. Joshua, Judges. Judges 13, Judges 13. And this is what it's going to say. We're talking about Samson, but I really, really love this because when we were having children and we planned to have children, and uh, we had heaven five years after we were married. And that was intentional. Now, some of you did not necessarily plan your children. They just kind of happened. 
Some of you inherited children because you're raising your children's children. Some of you are inherited your siblings' children. Some of you, it, you know, was a bad situation or now you're a single parent because of a divorce or something like that. So there are different circumstances in which we find ourselves as parents. And I'm really going to talk to you about that in a second. So brace yourself. Until then, judges, request God's involvement. I bring this up because I remember pastor really, boy, he's so good in training. You know, he, you've got the best pastor. You've got the best pastor like he's not my pastor. You've got the best pastor here. But I remember him talking to me about the scripture here. And this is one of the things that we used when we, were, we had heaven. And the Bible says, Judges 13, 8. Then Manoah, now first of all, an angel appeared to the woman, which was really cool that the angel appeared to her. And then she went and told her husband and, you know, he, this is where we pick up in the story. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, Oh my Lord, let the man of God, which you sent, come to us again and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Now, Samson's mother, the scriptures before this, tell us that she was barren and she wasn't going to have children. But then the angel of the Lord came and declared to her that she was going to have a child. So she runs to her husband, tells him, and he says to the angel, Hey, he says to God, God, please send back the man of God that declared this over us so he can teach us how we should raise this child. Request God's involvement. God, how should I raise this child? You see, the principles of God are common among all, but the protocol for your child is unique. So we have standard principles, and I'm going to share what those are. We have the principles work, but each child is still unique within that principle. So here it is, he says, what should we do unto the child that should be born? And God hearkened or listened to the voice of Manoah. When you invite God in, he will listen to your voice. And the angel came again unto the woman and she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man who appeared unto me that came the other day. And Manoah rise and rose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man that spoke unto the woman? And he said, I am. And then Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. How should we order the child and how shall we do unto him? What a brilliant couple. The first thing they knew in raising a child was God knew more about this child than anybody else. That child was coming for, as a gift from God. So God, you know, what should we do? And then God gives them a protocol for this particular child. He says, of everything I said to the woman, let her take heed or let her beware. She may not eat of anything that comes off the vine. That means she can't drink. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All I commanded her to do. Because she, he gave, he gave her more instruction about Samson. He didn't repeat all that to the husband. But he repeated it to her. And said, look, what have I told her to do? Let her do. So God's got a protocol for your child. He's the ultimate, ultimate parent. John 14, 26 says this, that the Holy Spirit is given for us to be taught. He teaches us and guides us into all truth. So you have an advocate with the Father. You are not parenting alone, even if 
You feel alone. You are never alone because you have got help. God's involvement can only come. Angelic presence can only come when you request him to be involved. So say, I must request God to be involved. Number two, this is really good. Research the motivation for your parenting. Research the motivation for your parenting. Do we parent from fear or faith? You see, I was parenting from a fear-based situation. As Pastor told you, you know, some of the, the, the story, I was afraid to parent. I always wanted to parent because I wanted to be a better mom than my mom was to me. So, I mean, that was really it. And it was a whole bunch of us, seven of us, and we had four different moms. And so I liked kids and, you know, didn't have a problem with, with wanting kids. But boy, oh boy, I remember being pregnant and, you know, swole up like Shamu the whale and was wearing pastor's slippers because my foot grew from seven and a half to a ten just from inflammation and my nose was bleeding all the time. But boy, I was happy like the morning sun. I was so happy. Heaven was in there. She was growing juicy and, you know, she went over the due date by two whole weeks. I'm ten years a mammoth of a child. So happy. And then I had the baby. And I remember he brought me one of those, I don't know if you remember those bears that had the womb sound. Because she was kind of colicky, you know. So they turned, you turn on the little thing and it goes, and gives you the heartbeat and it's supposed to make the baby comforted. Oh my goodness. He was trying to help. And he brought this gift and I went into tears. I want her back inside. I want her inside now. Put her out and we get her back inside. And he was like, whoa, 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 what happened? I said, I'm going to kill her. Suppose she die. How do I know when to feed her? How do I know when to do? I was so terrified of being such a bad parent that my platform and my motivation was already fear from the minute she's here. And I remember him looking at me and saying, sweet, sweet. Adam and Eve didn't have no parents. We're going to be just fine. God's going to help us to parent. And just kind of calmed us down. Calmed us down. So you got to research the motivation. You know, when we parent out of pain, we stifle purpose. If you parent because you're upset that he left you. And this child is the one thing we have tying us together. If you parent out of the pain thinking that this is a burden around your neck and I can't hang with my girls no more and if it wasn't for you, I'd still be fine. If you parent out of pain because it was an assault situation, you got raped, you got, you know, some kind of thing like that and this is a reminder. If you got, if you're parenting out of pain, I'm raising my children's kids. I shouldn't have to be doing this. She should be doing this. Why am I doing it? If you have that base and that motivation in your parenting, you will stifle the purpose in that child because all you will do is find a way to shut them down and shut them up. Sit down over there and be quiet. That's what kids do. Are you kidding me? These are, these are People. Children are people. And they're so important to Jesus that he said, if you offend them, 
Oh my God. If you offend them, the Bible declares that there's an angel that reports to God on you. Be careful how you handle the children of God. When we parent out of fear, we fuel failure. Because all you do is become a control freak. I understand. I'll give you an example. You know, we, we, we say we're doing it because we love them, but we really are afraid. You know, we see what fear can do with Moses. You know, Moses had murdered a guy in Exodus 3 or so, and he'd murdered the guy and ran away into the wilderness, and God began to call him back and say, Hey, you need to go back. 40 years he was in the wilderness. And, and Moses was like, uh, uh, I can't speak. Uh, who's going to tell me? He was coming up with all these excuses, but the truth of the matter doesn't get revealed until Exodus 4. Exodus 4, um, God says to him, Moses, the people who are trying to kill you are dead. So at the end of the day, all the excuses that Moses was making was really based on his fear that he would have to go back to the very people he had offended. So when you and I are in fear, we make excuses for why we're doing what we're doing. It's because I want her to be better than me. It's because I want her to be better than me. So because I want her to be better than me, I'm going to shut her down. Because I know me. So I am parenting my child as if she's me. But she's not me. I am me. And the mistakes and decisions I made are my own. But because I don't want her to make any mistake ever in life. Then I will be unnecessarily controlling and hard and difficult and exasperating. Tell you a story. This is a real story, true story. So my mom was a very big um, disciplinarian, as you know. And, and, you know, Che was just her favorite. That's just how it went. Um, <laughs> this was true. This was true. This was true. He's more mild-mannered. He's sneaky, sneaky, very sneaky. Um, but because he has this, you know, killer smile and stuff like that. And he had his little dark curly hair. And she just loved him. Oh, my Che, my Che. And then my sister was the baby, so, you know, she couldn't really beat her. But for me, no, I was my dad's favorite. So that's the, let's talk about favoritism. Yeah. Because this, this, is, this is the truth, right? Am I telling the truth? I'm telling the I am my father's favorite. As a child born with extremely blonde hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, nobody, they were like, Who, whose child is this? <laughs> Just, you know, a ball of yellow. And um, <laughs> came out and my dad, you know, never spanked us. But boy, he could just yell at you and just shut you down, you know. But my mom, boy, she was just an expert in the ninja warfare of parenting. I mean, she could just take objects and they boomerang and find their way like stealth mode. And just like, and I'm like, all I was saying was, and she used to have this awful saying to me. You know, she'd be beating me like what Pastor was saying, you know, and then they're talking the whole time. And my mom, she would just speak in paragraphs. And she, you know, why couldn't you just say, stop it? That would have been great. No. I told you to stop it. How many times am I going to speak to you? Do you hear me? Sarah, Melinda, come on. Do you hear me? Where are my shoes? I'm like, my pastor's talking about, you know, but I had gotten to a place where I didn't cry. Oh, she could beat me all day long. I and I could take it. I just set my will. You're not going to cry? You're not going to cry? Nope. And then I'll challenge her back. You, you can keep going. You're not going to cry? Nope. 
See, there's a protocol that was for me and whooping wasn't for it. Because I got them immune to that. I got them so much. I got them at school. I got them from the people who was working with us. I got them everywhere. So I just became like immune to that stuff. I was like, bring your breast shot. <laughs> Throw a coconut, you know, take a belt, whatever. But then she got into torture, you know. And she had to come up with mind games for me. But she would spank you and say, Sefe. And I'm like, who is Faye? What is Faye? That means if you even speak back. So when she's saying, Sefe, and I'll, and I'll beat you. And I'm thinking, it was so confusing living with her. But she was very strong on education. So when heaven was in the um, second grade, I want to say, and we, 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 she, she had done something, she had done some um, work, and she was failing the work. No, that'd be okay if I had not already taught her to work. If she was not already years ahead. But she didn't want to be years ahead. She didn't want to be the smartest in the class. So she started dumbing herself down so she could fit in. And oh, I'm telling you, I mean, simple stuff that she should know like by the clock, back, back her hand. And when I told you, I rode into that girl and I told her, oh, you want to fail? You want, that's what you want to do? I'm going to give you 300 problems. Remember, child is about six, seven. No, for real though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to give you 300 problems and you're going to sit here until you do them all. You will never fail again in here. And I'm, and as I am yelling at her and she's terrified, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I realize I'm possessed. <laughs> Something is wrong with me. I go to the pantry and I lock the door and I say, Valerie, that's my mom's name. I said, you listen, this is not you and Sarah. Okay. So I had to have a talk with my mother. And tell her she's not going to, she's not going to do this. And some, some of us are taking into our parenting styles things that are not healthy. Just because it was done to you doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. And you've got to recognize it when it comes up. And boy, I had to go back and own it and apologize and say heaven. And it was beginning there. I had to start learning to stop demanding perfection, but requiring best effort. Because I was parenting out of fear. I didn't want her to fail. I didn't want teachers to be mean to her because teachers had kicked me out of their class. Not that I wanted to stay and I was walking out of the class. I want to tell you this about parenting. The two springboards, the motivation, either fear or faith, determines the actions and attitudes that come afterwards. Either you be very controlling or you abdicate altogether. You just leave them and let them raise themselves. It's okay. They'll be fine. I made it. I'm okay. No, you, you, you know, but what I love about, about Manoah is that, well, actually with Moses, is that the word is what stabilized Moses. God, every time he came up with an excuse, God came back and said, oh, tell him I am sent you. Oh, what if I do, what, what do I do? Take the rod and put it down. God had an answer every for every excuse. So we have to take responsibility for that because the funny thing about children is this. They live up to and exceed your expectations. And if you expect and I expect them to fail and we expect that they're going to be bad and we expect we're coming already from that fair place, they will manifest your fear because you're doing everything motivated by that fear and not by faith. Faith says, I know they're going to be godly seed. I know, you know, but, but fear says, I don't know if they're going to be godly seed. So I'm going to make sure platforms are different. The next thing, the next thing is this respect the protocol. Respect the protocol. You don't have to take this protocol as yours, but our protocol is lasso. 
Alright, lasso. Like a lasso around your neck. It's L-A-S-O-O. Alright, so this is the five things that we do when heaven was really small. Do you remember? You don't remember, right? So we, sh- we had like boards and stuff, but we put it on there. So L was loving. Are your actions loving? A was ask. She doesn't remember, but do you know heaven don't do nothing without asking? Even now. Mom, can I eat this? Can I? I'm thinking like, this is your house. You can eat whatever you want. Ask. So loving. Ask. S is share. Now there was one rule to share. Whatever you don't want to share, you put up. So if your friends come over, if you don't want a toy, she didn't like to share her shoes. She don't like to share a hairbrush. She didn't like to share skates. So move them. Whatever is in public domain, everybody can use. You have to teach your children this because you have to teach them that there are parts of their body they don't share. Everything is not for sharing. And if I'm to share all my toys and I'm being beaten because I'm being mean for not sharing my favorite toy because I'm supposed to be nice to the house guest, then my body then can be shared. There's no rules. Whatever you don't want to share, what is precious to you, remove it. It's off limits. And it's okay to not have to share all your stuff. Oh, obey. You must obey. You must obey. And the last O is orderly. You must be orderly. You go heaven's, heaven's room is the cleanest room in the house. It's always color coded. Her stuff is hung up. She prepares her stuff. She's an extreme planner. She's orderly. All of this. So loving, ask, share, obey, and be orderly. That's kind of it. So whatever she was doing something, I'd say, well, let's say heaven, you leave her stuff on the clothes. You're not being very orderly. That is not respecting the rules. So that was kind of our, our protocol. Number four, reach out to mentors. First Corinthians 11, one says this, follow me as I follow Christ. Reach out to mentors. Find people who are strong in areas of your ignorance. You don't know everything. Me, again, I was not mothered very effectively. I had a mother who loved me, but not a very effective uh, pattern to follow. So I had to learn how to pack a soccer bag. Who has soccer kids? Let me find out. What's a diaper bag supposed to have in? Then I found out who has kids before. What happened in a diaper bag? Okay, had the baby. Well, should I nurse? What is nursing? Do you nurse? Okay, why do you nurse? I remember potty training and I used the book, How to Toilet Train in Less Than a Day. It was referred to me by Monita Sharp. She had four kids. She had trained four kids how to be potty trained in one day. I did it to both my kids. It's called How to Toilet Train in a Day. You have a child that is 15 months, 14 months and up, buy the book. Train him in a day. Help the nursery out. Let's do it. Always learning. Now she's getting ready to go to college. So now I have to find people who have gone to college. You see, you can't, you don't know everything. It's okay to find mentors. It's okay to emulate the good. It's okay to be inspired by somebody else and follow them as they follow Christ. Now I'm going to close with this one here. Uh, realize the potential and speak to the purpose. A strong sense of purpose. Making sure that you and I understand that every child has a purpose and a call on their life. And that call and that purpose may not look exactly how you prescribe it, but there's a call that God has on their life that is unique to them. It is up to you and I to dig out of them and to mine the purpose within them. 
We are their first voice. We are their first cheerleaders. It's up to us to see that. Versus, you know, many of us are motivated by money because of the hardships we had before. So everything we do is like, no, you're going to be a doctor because we're not going to suffer over here. And you're my retirement plan. (laughs) You may not remember why you were born, but this is exactly the reason. And I had a whole lot of y'all because I'm going to have, make sure I have a lot of money coming in. So purpose gets nothing, no, no investment. And then the person is 40 years old trying to figure out, God, what, who am I? God, what do you want me to do with my life? But we have that chance from the beginning. God gives us signs. It's up to us to do that and to speak to the purpose. What do I mean? You should be more positive than negative to your children in their speech. More complimentary than, than, than derogatory. Do you know what it is like when we use shame as a method of parenting? It withdraws a potential. It withdraws a participation. It creates a division. And the one thing I like is that our kids talk to us. They tell us everything. They never stop talking. But if we shame them, shut up, you don't have nothing to say. What you all doing that? Why, why, you know, if it's always shaming them and embarrassing them instead of building them. You know, I remember, you know, when telling heaven, you know, about cursing. You know, so instead of me saying, why would you curse? Don't be cursing. Don't be like those little heathens out there. Or what, you know, no, I said heaven. Cursing is a sign of lack of intelligence. There has to be another word in the dictionary. Don't lower your intelligence. You're too intelligent to curse. You have too great a grasp on the English language to need to relegate to cursing. Spoke to our intelligence. That's how I dealt with cursing. I don't, you don't need to curse, you don't need to, no. You're too smart to curse. You different. You're on a different level. You got a purpose because let me some, tell you something. Purpose is a definer. Purpose is a divider. Purpose makes you add and subtract to your life. And when your child has a strong sense of purpose, they choose their friends according to their purpose. You want to get rid of peer pressure? Strong purpose. Stop fighting who the kids are around and begin to talk to that purpose. And the purpose will say, whoa, I'm in the wrong company. We don't go together. I say, heaven, don't these boys try to talk to you at school? She's like, yeah. She said, but then I asked them, what, 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 what do you see your life going to? Well, I'm going to be in man's She goes, wrong. She said, because God's called me to the world. Too limited. You don't even get past that conversation. Because purpose defines and purpose divides. It extracts and it adds. So you and I have got to have a strong commitment to speaking to the purpose of your child from their this little it doesn't matter what age they are, no. Change your speech. And speak and declare to the purpose. And declare to the purpose. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. What do you believe about your children? It comes out in your speech. I'm tired of you always doing this. Then you're saying to them, I'm tired of you. Change your speech. Speak and declare purpose. Number five, rally the forces. Be an advocate for your children. 
they should be able to run to you. This is one way, and I'm speaking this very seriously now, and thank you all for just being gracious and giving me the time. But I just wanted to share my heart on this. You have to rally your children. You have to be their biggest advocate. This is the number one thing to help with assault and prevent molestation and prevent these kind of things. Because now if they're really tiny and they're in a daycare situation, I am so sorry if that has happened. And I wish it would not happen. But if you have a, if you're, if they're a little bit older, you have got to be your kids' biggest advocates. You are the first sign of God and they have got to know that you are like superman and superwoman. That nobody can beat you down. Nobody can be stronger than you. Nobody can out provide you. I'm telling you what I know. So one of the things that we would do is we, we boost up our stuff. So when, you know, heaven kind of came in on, you know, where, where we weren't as financially successful as we are with Landon now. I mean, Landon's a whole nother level of everything. I mean, he just like, Landon, what's your favorite food? Lobster? Oh. Heaven, what's your favorite food? Ramen noodles? We used to call her noodle. Isn't that the truth? We went from noodles to lobster, babe. That would preach right there. <laughs> but, I, but, but I remember even in those times, we would never say to heaven, we can't afford it. Those are not terms we use. Or, you know, you, know, you think money grows on trees? See, if my mother said that to me, I said, no, but it's made by them. <laughs> We'd never say that. We'd say... She'd say, Mom, can I have this? And I said, you know what? Let's put it on your faith board. We're going to believe God for it. Of course you can. Of course you can. Because then nobody can come to her and tempt her with anything. Come here, little girl. I'll give you some shoes. Come here, little girl. I no, no, no. You don't get to be tempted because, see, we big up and make it look like we can provide everything. Just not right today. But it's coming. Amen? Amen? We defend. We're the biggest. Because that's what abuse is. A bigger to a smaller. A higher to a lower. A greater to a lesser. Someone that can intimidate. But when we are able to say no. Heaven. Anybody tries to touch you. Anybody tries to do this. Oh, daddy's got them. Oh, you, you, you tell him about your dad. You tell him about your mom. At school, we're the advocate. We don't go to the school looking for her to be wrong. We go to the school looking for her to be right and try and get an understanding. If you come from the perspective that your kids are good, that your kids are great, that your kids are wonderful, then you won't get into this whole thing where you're, "Uh uh-huh, I know that's her again. Mm, That is my kid. You're continuously not defending them, so they find groups to defend them. They find people to support them. They find people to rally around them. But you and I have to be the first person that they can call and say, Mama, come get me. Daddy, come fix this. Versus they call their boyfriend. Rally around your kids. Remember, every good parent, good parenting happens on purpose and with a purpose. So what is your purpose for parenting? To raise godly seed. Find, I want you, this is your homework. Define what child, what, what do they want them to look like? We only had three things on ours. Don't be making this exasperating 15 list. I want them to be this. I want them. No. What are the core? 
See, the guiding light is a relationship with God. And so we got to make sure that they're doing that. Raise godly seed, cause them to live in their purpose. Number two is this. Genesis 21, 15. And I just want to talk to the single woman, single dads for a second. Hagar, in the book of Genesis 21, verse 5. She was sent out. She was creating some conflict. She was sent out into the wilderness. And when she was sent out into the wilderness, the Bible says that she went a far way off. She left the child under a tree because she didn't want to see the child die. When you're in a tough situation and you don't get the support that you need or the support that you want, Abram didn't give her a whole lot of support. Some of you dealing with that kind of support. I'm tired of filing against him. <laughs> tired of filing. I'm tired of trying to find her. I'm tired of explaining to my child why he doesn't show up, why she doesn't show up. You're in that wilderness period. You're in that dry period. And because she was afraid he would die, she moved away from him. And if you and I, as single parents, are afraid of what will happen if the support doesn't come, instead of you getting close to that child, you'll find yourself moving away because you don't want to deal with the suffering. You don't want to deal with the explaining. But one of the most beautiful things of that story is it said that the Lord heard the voice of the boy. And this shows where Genesis earlier, God had said, I'm going to pick Abraham because he will train his children after me. So even though he did not have the support financially, that little boy learned to pray. That little boy learned to call on God. And God, when his mother didn't have the strength, that relationship with God, because it was deposited in him, is what was a saving deliverance for that moment. And the God came down and an angel came and said, look, Hagar. And he pointed her back to purpose. That little boy is going to be a great nation. That little boy... Oh, he's not an orphan. I know you're in a single situation. I know you think you're out here all alone. But that boy has got purpose. And I want to say to you parents, I don't care what it looks like. It could be a wilderness situation for you. It could be an awesome situation. Either way, your children have purpose. Speak to it. Mine it. Help divine it. Cultivate it. And pray and communicate with them. So that's what I have to say to you tonight. Don't minimize them. Stop calling them names. Stop expecting the worst. Stop having two different sets of rules for boys versus girls. Boys need to be pure like girls need to be pure. You want me to give you my daughter who is a virgin, but you applaud your son? Because you want to prove that he's not one way. So go ahead, sleep with a girl so I can find out. But then, Pastor Sarah, can I marry her? No. If she can be conscious about preserving herself, then we can believe God for somebody who has the same mindset. Stop applauding your boys for impurity and calling your girls whores and sluts for their impurity. It's somebody's daughter that he's sleeping with. Same rules. Different protocol for each person, but same standard. 
How you meet out the punishment may be different, but the rule is the same. Amen? So what are you going to do this week? How are you going to redefine your parenting? I want you to go this week and really begin to pray and say, God, help me mine out the purpose within my child. Use me to chisel out your will. With every head bow and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I just feel... I just feel that many of us are parenting out of pain and fear and we're wounded and we're disappointed and we're hurt and we don't mean to take it out on the kids. We really don't. But we have. If that's you today and I want to pray for you because I want us to let that go. We're resentful that the other person has moved on and they're married now and they're carrying on and We have a little bit of that rejection sting on the inside. If that's you, just raise your hand real quickly for me and say, Hey, Pastor, pray for me. I see your hand. 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 I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else wave real quick for me. I understand. I see your hand here in the front. I see your hand over to the left. I see your hand right here in the middle in the front. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am, over the right hand side. I see your hand. I see your hand way in the back. This is a real thing. Because the kids absorb this and they... It's not really them and you know it's not them. But you're so disappointed. Anybody else before I pray? If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is a good day. Because I'm telling you, He knows your child inside and out. He knows what makes them tick. He knows what makes them go. So if you would just surrender to him.